because we were celebrating Jesus like you did yesterday as well. And we're not thinking about our announcement time. So all we really have to say for announcements, and you've probably, if you've been in the church for a while, you've probably heard this a million times. If you want your donations to the church to count for this year, it needs to physically be in the building before next year. They just, accountants, they work by numbers and not mercy. So they literally need it to be receded for some time before. And what's the last day the office is open? Here, I'm putting you on the spot. New Year's Eve at noon when the last person is leaving here for the year. Clears mud? Wonderful. Speaking of which, um, praise the Lord for all his generosity to Calvary Chapel. And much of that generosity comes through you and through you. So praise the Lord for your giving to the church. Praise the Lord for him taking care of us. And let's let God talk to us. All his provision up to this point is meant to encourage our hope in his provision ongoing. It's not like God gives us provision and says, that's the last one, make it stretch. That's not how the Father works. All of his taking care of us up to this point is meant to build up our confidence that he will continue to take care of us until the day he wants to see us face to face. Amen? Amen. But that's not the message. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you so much for the word of God, this supernatural book that you inspired over thousands of years, which is perhaps the only perfect thing, so to speak, on the planet, this thing that you stand behind, this communication from God where you say, this is from me, and we have this obligation to respond to it because you've spoken. Thank you for the church of God. Father, thank you so much for believers gathering together. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities to gather. Father, thank you so much for the Spirit of God that's given us a new birth, a a miraculous regeneration in, in God so that we see Jesus as Lord and not as just some story or something to hate. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, full of the love of God, determined to be our Lord until he brings us home and until he returns to this planet to make all things new. And Father, ultimately, thank you for you. Thank you for your goodness and your holiness and your faithfulness. Thank you for your perfection as well as your mercies and your patience. And thank you that you're working out all things according to your plan for our good. And Lord, we just worship you. And Lord, would you send your spirit on fresh, afresh on us today to make us good listeners and me a good speaker for your glory. Amen? Amen. All right. So I got a little input again for the topic of this message today. Um, Jackie, a couple of days ago, was just really enjoying Isaiah chapter 7 and thought I should speak on it sometime, and I didn't have anything else to do. And so I've just been meditating on Isaiah chapter 7 as the, um, the meat that's been in the pot for this stew message. And so again, if it's a good message and you enjoy it, you can give Jackie a thumbs up on her uh, WhatsApp name thing. And if it's a total bomb, it's all my fault. But Isaiah 7 has one of our most famous Christmas passages in it. And it's this one. 
Isaiah 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, his, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And does anybody know which gospel this quotation is? Which one of the gospels about Jesus' birth quotes this passage? Oh, you, you guys thought, Christmas, you know, Boxing Day, I can just come and turn off my brain and continue to digest all the food I ate yesterday. Eh, wrong. School is still in session. Which gospel is this from? Somebody shout it out. I, well, it might be in Luke. For sure it's in Matthew. And this is this prophecy that Matthew picks up, fulfilled in Mary the Virgin, the unmarried woman who's never lain with a man, who bears a son by the Holy Spirit, and that he will be called Emmanuel because he's God with us, because he is the Son of God made flesh. In context, though, when you look at this chapter, it doesn't totally seem like this is what Isaiah is talking about at the time. And we'll get back to why it still counts. But what is going on here? Oh, and the title of the message for today is Two Ways for 2022. Uh, pastors are obligated by law to be cheesy and corny and try to rive off of um, the year whenever they're talking around New Year. So in, when we were going from 2019 to 2020, everything was about 2020 vision and having clarity of vision, and nobody saw COVID coming. So we all kind of go back to the drawing board and be, maybe it's not good to be clever. That's what we should have got from this. Whenever you're titling messages, maybe it's not good to be clever. But two ways for 2022, I know it's dumb. I'm not trying to be clever, but we will get to for this year, after all we've learned from 2020 and 2021, when we look to the next year, there really only are two different ways that we can do next year. And I'll tell you what they are once a sufficient amount of curiosity has been built up. But this is what's going on. We're traveling back in time and we're traveling to the other side of the planet. We're traveling back in time somewhere around 26 to 2700 years and we're going to the Middle East, back in the days when Israel was ruled by kings. And it's been a while since they've had a really good king like David or Solomon who both had their own issues. It's been a while and right now Jerusalem or sorry Judea, there's been a split in the kingdoms. Israel is one kingdom. Judah is another kingdom. They often don't get along. And right now, Judah is being ruled by a guy who turned out to not be a very faithful king. But let's read what's going on here. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So he's the, Ahaz is the king of Judah. Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. Now, I sympathize with you at this point if you feel really garbled by all these names that don't sound like normal names. Rezin, Syria, Pekah, Ramaliah, we got it. Okay, I've got a map coming up and I'm going to try to help you out. But all you need to know is we're looking at the kingdom of Judah. That's where Isaiah is ministering as a prophet. And right now, Judah is being threatened by two different kings who are uh, waging war against Jerusalem, but haven't been able to amass enough people to really attack it. So um, they've got troops, boots on the ground, but they haven't tried to scale the walls yet. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, so that Syria is the one kingdom, Ephraim is also another name for Israel, so these two kingdoms are working together. The heart of Ahaz, that's our king, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Anybody had any anxiety issues in the last year and a half? 
where you trembled a little bit? Anybody had the little shaky shakies? Okay, so the entire country is doing that because they've been told that your neighbor to the north and your even bigger neighbor to the north of them wants to take you out. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. That's a location in Jerusalem, I'm assuming. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramaliah. So don't be afraid. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramaliah will, has devised evil against you saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Okay, pause there again. So God's explaining a bit more what's going on. These two kings north of Judah say, let's take over this place. We'll go kill Ahaz and put our own king in its place and we'll rule over it with this puppet king. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. Bold underlined, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So this is what's going on. Ahaz is this mostly unbelieving king. He has these real, dangerous kings north of him who are planning to invade and kill him and put a puppet king in the way. Everybody's terrified. And God comes to him through the prophet Isaiah and says, it's not going to happen. In fact, within a human lifetime, these people won't even exist anymore. But this is the issue. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm anywhere. These are the two ways for 2022. It's either going to be faith or not faith. That's all. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. But one thing I do know that's true. Same as last year, coming up next year, we're either going to be firm in the faith or we won't be firm at all. Does it ever feel like that's the lesson we're being taught? We're either going to be firm in trusting Christ or we won't be firm anywhere. I know what it's like to not be firm everywhere. It's not great, and you put your back out when you try to move softener salt. But spiritually speaking, which is everywhere, often when we say spiritually in Canada, it means like in ways that don't really matter, right? In ways that don't really count. Like, what counts? Money counts, right? But spiritually speaking, you know, in that stuff you do with your spare time to make yourself feel good about yourself. No, spiritual comes first. God was first. God made the material world second. Spiritual comes first. Your spiritual life decides how the rest of your life is going to happen. The spiritual realm decides how the material and political realm is going to go out. Spiritual comes first. Spiritually speaking, we're either firm in the faith or we aren't going to be firm anywhere. 
And that's what Isaiah was telling Ahaz and calling him to be firm in the faith. Don't worry about these guys. I've already decided when they're going to be destroyed. Don't worry. Don't worry about this. I've already decided that they're toast. They just don't know it yet. Your job is to believe me. Okay, so here's my map. I promised my map. So this is uh, the Middle East on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea. At the top there is the Black Sea. And for a little bit of context, if you go up to about where the blue bar where it says Assyrian Empire touches um, the land by the Black Sea, that's pretty close to where Timmy was born, our Timmy. So that's like modern-day Bulgaria-ish. And that's where we went to go pick him up. So you have somebody from around there here. If, that, if you need a little relational connection. But, you know, that was 2,500 years ago, so it's not the same people at all. But you can see there Jerusalem. That is where Isaiah is ministering to Ahaz, and Ahaz is receiving these prophecies. And if you go north a little bit, that's where um, the second kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, or where it says Ephraim, that's where they were. And then if you go up to where it says Syria, that's where... Um, Rezin was king, and they were much more of a superpower than either Tyre or Jerusalem. Okay, so there's some map action for you. And if you, do you see beside Syria, there's a place called Assyria with Nineveh as its capital? Okay, I don't know why they do this. If you're going to have two countries right beside each other, they should at least have different names so that you can tell them apart. Like there's Assyria, but then there's also Assyria. So congratulations, you're confused, but... Syria was the superpower at the time of Isaiah talking these things, but Assyria, Assyria, was on the rise, and Syria was going to be completely obliterated very soon. And so this is what happens next. After Ahaz gets this call to be firm in the faith and trust that these kings that right now are terrifying Judea and Jerusalem are really just like sticks that are already on fire and not even worth stressing out about. This is what happens next. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. This is a good thing. God wants to encourage Ahaz and he says, ask for some miracle so I can build up your faith. But Ahaz is so upside down that he thinks in faith he's going to do something good and it's really going to take the Lord off. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. So he thinks, I don't want to put the Lord to the test about this. But disobeying God is not the same as not disobeying God. Amen? So when God tells you, usually it's bad. If you're just like, I'm not going to obey God's word until, until you do a miracle to make me convinced to do it. Right? Like... God's word says, thou shalt not kill. And you're like, I am not going to obey thou shalt not kill unless you send an angel from heaven to tell me not to kill. I'm going to feel free to kill, right? That's unbelief because we should be able to take God's word at faith value. On the other hand, if a prophet comes to you and says, these two kings are toast and he's prophesying about history that's going to happen and I'm going to do a sign from you to build up your faith, faith would be to give him a sign to do. But Ahaz rejects the call to be, have his faith built up And the Lord doesn't like it. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to worry men that you also have to worry God also? Sorry. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
and he shall eat the curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. And the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as has not come since the days that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Again, you sit there. What in the world is going on here? And why are you doing a cerebral message, uh, like a make-me-think message on Boxing Day morning? Just get up there and tell me Jesus loves me and I'll go home. I'm trying to tell you Jesus loves you. So Ahaz gets this message. The guys you're afraid of are nothing to be afraid of. And let me do a miracle to prove to you that you don't need to be afraid of them. He says, I don't want to tell you the miracle to do. And then that, the prophet says, okay, you're, you're, this is not making the Lord feel like you're taking him seriously. So I will give you your own sign. And this is how I understand it. The virgin here isn't like a miracle virgin, but it just means like a girl who isn't married yet is going to bear a child. So that's going to be at least nine months there. And he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. So by the time he's old enough to make moral choices, right? One-year-olds can't make moral choices. Everything's just about food and diaper and sleep, right? Three-year-olds, they know how to shout fair when they don't get something, or unfair when they don't get something they want, right? That's the level of their morality. I want it one, two. That's when they're three. But by the time they get old enough to think through moral issues and choose good and reject evil, they're going to be living in a land that's so economically devastated that all they're going to have to eat is curds and wild honey. As in, the chain of bread will be broken. As in, the willingness to go out and just slaughter a bunch of sheep for a feast isn't going to happen. There's going to have been war And their economy is going to be so broken that a kid who's conceived after this fact, and by the time he's old enough to figure out good from evil, they will be eating kind of scrounge meals. Because the real thing that they're supposed to be afraid of isn't Syria and isn't Israel. It's the king of Assyria who's on his way to conquer everything. Now you understand a bit more what's going on. So let's bring this home for us a little bit. And don't let me forget to talk about Emmanuel again. So if it looks like I'm wrapping up without talking about Emmanuel, can somebody just shout out? Like we're a family church. You can shout out and be like, you're about to have a bad message. You need to say something about this. I'm all for that. Ahaz wasn't a good king. And if you go and read in 2 Kings about him, he responds to this prophecy by actually going to Damascus and bringing the altars from Damascus to Jerusalem to worship foreign gods. In, in Jerusalem from here, which is just, just the worst. But this is his situation. Ahaz and his people are so strung out about these two kings north of him. 
And God is crying out for Ahaz to instead choose a life of faith because even though these two kings are nothing to worry about, there is coming something to really, really, really worry about. And if Ahaz can't learn to trust God during these little trials, what in the world is he going to do when the real trial comes? That's the point of Isaiah 7. And Ahaz totally blows it. Unfortunately, or sorry, fortunately, he has a son named Hezekiah who is a man of faith. And you might remember the king of Assyria actually brings his army to Jerusalem during the days of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, when he hears all the threats of these foreign kings, takes the letter to the Lord and says, we got nothing. And the Lord says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of these guys. And he sends an angel from the Lord and like kills the entire army with the bubonic plague or something like that. But this call, if you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all, is the call of God to all of us. Because whatever we think we're facing now, that seems like it could totally destroy our lives. There is no guarantee that there isn't something way worse right around the corner. I'm not trying to stress you out. But if you give now, and buy my book now, you won't have to face any of these trials ever again. Right? I have loaded up on Peter Popoff's Miracle Water. And if you just drink 17,000 gallons a day at the low, low price of $1,000 a gallon, you will never have to have your faith challenged ever again. Wrong. Okay? If we're not firm in the faith, we will not be firm at all, is the greeting of the Lord Jesus Christ every single morning to the people of God. To a people who cannot control the future, And can hardly even predict the future. But knowing that God knows that there are worse days ahead. And better days. There are wonderful days ahead for the people of God. And there are some terrible days coming. That may may make 2020 and 2021 look like a cakewalk. Compared to what we might have to face in the future. And we don't know. And I could get hit by a bus. On the way home today, which would be hard to do because I'm pretty sure there are no buses running anywhere. So that would be the accomplishment. And I might never have to face any trial ever again. I might just go from best message ever straight to the throne room. The best sermon you ever heard. Straight to the throne room. We just aren't in control. And we don't know what's coming next. But we do know that if we are firm in our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be more than okay. If the point of our days is to love Jesus and see Jesus and trust Jesus and serve Jesus with whatever we are given in that day, we will be more than okay. And that's what this call was. These two kings are nothing. The next king, he is something. <laughs> he is going to be something. Shalmaneser, Tiglis by Lezer the third, whichever one. There was actually three kings in a row, Sargon the second, that were bad, tushy people. They were really mean dudes. And they just took everybody out. 
until the king of Babylon rose up. And then he took everybody out. Should we deal with the Emmanuel thing? Let's do that now, and then we'll talk about how to be firm in 2022. So you have this prophecy somewhere around 650 years before the birth of Christ about a virgin um, conceiving and bearing a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. And maybe talking about a miracle conception, but probably not. Probably just saying there's, gonna, there's a girl who isn't <laughs> married right now, and she's going to get married, and she's going to have a son, and she's going to name Emmanuel, and that's when you know the time frame is working here. How does that also become a prophecy for Jesus? And many prophecies in the Bible do kind of have this double vision to it. There's like a near fulfillment, and then there's a far greater fulfillment. Clear? And it's kind of like this. If you pick up a quarter, how big is that? It's like the size of, size of your thumb, right? But if you hold it up to the moon, and a full moon, so as much moon as you can see, and you hold it up at the right distance, do they look like they're the same size? Right? But you just can't tell how far away it is. And the human mind, it, we have a hard time figuring out just how far away the moon is for how big it is. And the moon apparently can like change sizes to us compared to how close to the horizon it is. You should test this out. When the moon is like full and right near the horizon, it looks gigantic. But then when it's right on top of you, it looks puncy again. But it's the same size full moon. It's just you can't even tell how big it is without something close to you to give it some perspective. Well, fulfillment of prophecy is kind of like that. There's often like a small quarter fulfillment and then later O's that both of them are plugged into his prophecy even though the prophet himself might not understand the fulfillment of his word when God really, really, really fulfills it. But there are lots of similarities here. A child who's born who's meant to be a sign to the kings of the world. A child that's born that fulfills prophecy. And a child that's born right before Jerusalem is going to be attacked by foreign armies and devastated. Which did happen about 70 years. You know, uh, Ephraim was given 65 years in this passage here. About 70 years after Jesus was born, Jerusalem was devastated by the Romans. So there's lots of similarities in the immediate fulfillment in the days of Isaiah and the ultimate fulfillment in the days of Jesus uh, but they're bigger when the Jesus time. The virgin is really a virgin this time. And the God with us really is God with us in the second one. Amen? There you go. You're welcome. How to be firm in your faith in 2022. And I need this more than anybody. I, I'm just... Uh, you know when you see a garbage bag stuck in a tree in the middle of winter and it's just a, a flap in there? And it's high enough in the tree, you're just like, ah, getting that thing down, that's going to be a lot of work and dangerous. And so you just let it flappy flap there in the wind for months, and you kind of hope like someday that plastic is going to deteriorate enough for that bag to come out of the tree. That's how I feel like lots in life. I'm just that plastic bag in the tree, making noise out there. When you're in the prayer room and plastic bags are in the trees outside there, and you're just, you're just ah, and it's garbage in the tree, and it's not my responsibility, whatever. That's how I feel sometimes. You probably feel like that too. 
But Isaiah actually gave Ahaz some practical ways to be firm in his faith 2,600 years ago that we can take up as well. One of the first things he said is be careful. Most of us underestimate how much influence and impact we have on our own lives and on the lives of people around us. Be careful this year. Be careful with what you do. Be careful with what you say. Be careful what you do with your money. Be careful what you do with your time. Be careful with your Bible reading. Be careful with your prayer time. Be careful with how you worship. Be intentional here. You've got this call to faith. And you can ask yourself the question, am I doing this because I'm believing in God? Am I feeling this way? Am I thinking this way? Am I making these plans because I believe that Jesus is in control of everything and that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and I'm on mission with Jesus for the things he's called me to be on mission with? Are these my thoughts? Are these my intentions? Are these my motivations? And if the answer is no, be careful. Robert Balfour, you guilty dog, Thought number two from the mouth of God, be quiet. We can show our faith in God by choosing to be quiet. And you can actively be quiet by having more praise and prayer in private first. This is a way to be quiet in faith is to be more noisy with God first. Keep your praise levels up. With Jesus, on your own. Keep your prayer levels up. With Jesus, on your own. But try to be more quiet with others. To show your faith and that you're standing firm in the Lord. Rob, you dirty dog. Repent. I do. Thought number three. Do not fear. Which is a great one, right? Because fear doesn't feel like it's something we control. Stop growing hair. Some of us are way ahead on that. Others of us, it's like, I can't stop up! But I think we can aim to not be a victim in the presence of God. Okay? When you read the Old Testament, when you read the New Testament, do you ever get the feeling like God doesn't totally understand why we freak out so much? Because he's right there. Right? Like, how unsympathetic is Isaiah to Ahaz. Ahaz is the king, and there's two other bigger kings who are literally saying to each other, this guy's dead. It would be kind of like this. Imagine one week there was a news article where it said, the president of Mexico calls his troops to mobilize for an invasion of Canada. You might think, that's kind of tense, right? Or you might think, I hope they're being salsa, or whatever. You know, you could have whatever response you want. But then if the next week it was like, the president of Mexico meets with the president of the United States to discuss invasion plans for Canada, then you might go, ah! True? And then if someone from church showed up and said, stop worrying, you might want to punch them in the face 19 times. 
right? Acknowledge my feelings. Sometimes I, I get the feeling that God, for all the sympathy he knows how to give us, is very unsympathetic. <laughs> These guys are dead. Stop worrying. Just stop it. They're dead. They're already dead. They don't know how dead they are. They're dead. So for me, when I see Isaiah talking to Ahaz, it's hard for me not to imagine that Ahaz wants to persist in feeling like a victim, even though he's just been given the very word of God. And so I think all of us can check our hearts. Am I acting like a victim? A victim to the virus, a victim to the restrictions, a victim to people's responses, a victim to online stuff, a victim to whatever. And for me, I want to not be a victim in the presence of God because as soon as God is in the room, he can answer prayer, he will hear prayer, he can answer prayer, he can do something about it, and he wants me to be in faith. That's his first goal. That's his primary goal. And if I don't participate with that, I can't participate with him. True fact. And finally, do not let your heart be faint. Uh, That means like, don't, don't get worn out. Don't quit. And I think one of the things we can do next year, knowing that we can't control what the news is going to be or what anything's going to do, we can say, by faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to trust him and do all the good I can. If you can do good, you're not a victim. Whatever that good is, it could be praying, it could be texting, you could bake some muffins, especially raisin spice muffins, and drop them off at my house. I'm home every Monday. You can do good. If you can trust God and do good, you're not a victim. And you don't need to be in control of everything. That's God's job. That, you know, we don't have to be in control of everything. That is God's job. And Isaiah told Ahaz, I'm going to do my job, says the Lord. These people you're worried about, I've already decided how long they have before I destroy them. I'm going to do my part. You do your part. You trust me and do the good you can. Amen? If you can do good, even a little bit of good, you're not a victim. You're not stuck. The world is not ruined. We can do this. We can do this year. If you can do a little bit of good, you will get a reward from Jesus. You will please him. You will please him. You can walk with God. You just need to be able to do a little bit of good. And God will be with us. Amen? So there's two ways for us in 2022. I so regret titling this. I'm sorry. I was tired when I named this message early this morning. I regret it. I repent. Let's rename this together. Anybody have a better suggestion? Four ways. ways. Yes, that's right. Put on your four ways in 2022 because you're going to have an emergency and you might get stuck by the side of the road and everybody else needs to know that you're... Never mind. Maybe we can have the team come up to worship here. Guys, this is so... Uh, do you know how we do church like this? This is just while they're coming up. Very practical. I don't want anybody to go away from here um, beating yourself up because you felt anxiety or fear or anything like that. But what you can do is you can say, and I'm going to respond to every encouragement I get from people in the Lord. 
That's where it breaks down. You can feel stressed out and you can worry as long as you respond to the encouragement God sends your way. But when you start fighting with God about the encouragements he sends your way, then you're going off the rails. Amen? Just like God knew Ahaz was going to get discouraged, and that's why he sent the prophet. And the prophet said, I will do a miracle to encourage you. And Ahaz says, I don't want to see no miracles. And that's where everything went off the rails. You can be broken. You can be tired. You can worry about what's going on as long as you respond to the encouragements of God that he sent your way. And he is willing to send you one every single day. Go ahead and ask. But let's love each other. Let's respond to the encouragement God sends to each other. Let's be just ready to do good. Let's be ready to grow out of our fears. Let's be ready to be quiet and put the emphasis on us, taking the time to be good with God before we make our problems somebody else's problems. Let's be really careful with our actions and our words in this upcoming season. And let's find God's faithfulness together. Lord Jesus, encourage your church. And amen.